is really about a simple person-to-person money transfer service. And 80% of the population didn't have bank accounts. If, if you wanted to move money around, it had to be cash. Suddenly, here was this solution that made it safe, quick, uh, you know, and, and relatively cheap to get that money across to your loved ones. Mobile banking isn't just making paying our bills easier. The ability to bank from anywhere at any time is transforming lives across the developing world. This is Roaming, a podcast by Vodafone Foundation, and I'm Natasha Dalton, Head of Engagement for Vodafone's philanthropic arm. On this podcast, we explore technology for good, the power of human connection, and the way our lives are changed by networks. Today, we meet Nick Hughes, the man behind a mobile money platform called M-Pesa that connects over 50 million people across Africa to financial services and empowerment. Thanks to the foundation's maternal health program, M-Mama, M-Pesa is also saving mothers and babies' lives by enabling thousands of pregnant women to reach emergency health care. Over to Andrew Dunnett, director of Vodafone Foundation, who spoke with Nick to learn more about his commitment to leveraging the power of mobile connectivity for a better world. Well, Nick, it's it's a great pleasure to spend a bit of time with you today. And um, it's rare you get a chance to meet someone whose original idea has transformed the lives of so many people. I mean, uh, 46 million people use M-Pesa every day, every hour across sub-Saharan Africa. $24 billion a month is going through that platform. Uh, 46 loans, microloans a second are processed uh, to many people who live on the margins of poverty to enable them to get access to uh, various things that they require. And and you created this. I mean, you, you, you came up with the idea. Uh, you began this extraordinary revolution. And, and how, how does it make you feel? What, what does it feel like when you reflect on that? And, and um, you know, how, how do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a... Uh... It's big, isn't it? You know, it's it's yeah. it's much bigger than we uh, the the team that started this we ever envisaged um, this being. And um, yeah, I, I mean, it's astonishing, really. You've now got a telco, Safaricom, where you know the largest source of revenue is is coming from a non-core telco product and service in in M-Pesa. So yeah, it is big, and that you know, it's it's sort of well, two thousand seven we started it, and and it you know it's still relatively young as a product and service but yeah how does it make me feel well immensely proud really but i must i must keep saying this because it's you know it's never down to w- one person it you know we had, we had a brilliant team it was you know i think you, you know many of them we had we had an amazing team of problem solvers in the early days and then when the concept was was created we had a guys like michael joseph and les bailey who, who, who sort of drove it through to scale and then you know and it's grown from there so it's never down to what to one person you know it's it's uh it, it's a it's a collaborative effort um but yeah well, but i i feel proud i know a lot of my colleagues and my ex-colleagues who are working on mpesa are proud of it and it's you know it's set a little bit of a model up that's been copied you know around the world um, and tell us how tell us what it is because not everybody will yeah, know what sure. mpesa is they may have some sort of recognition yeah. of it, but but what exactly it is yeah. and, and when the idea came uh, originally yeah. to you to do something like this yeah, so so we have to go back into what is, I guess, the equivalent of Middle Ages in the telco world, back to sort of 2000 when um, 
I joined Vodafone uh, in 2001, and Vodafone was going through this huge growth uh, period. And <clears throat> under Chris Gent and Arun Sarin, we were going into emerging economies as well, where mobile technology was having a you know was being taken up in you know great numbers. Uh, you know, we, the PayGo model for airtime uh, sort of opened the way to allow people to to get access to to mobile telephony. And and I joined a team. Uh, in Vodafone Group, where we were given the job, it was a, a brilliant job. We had a blank sheet of paper and said, "Let's think of products and services which have a positive impact on on the company and in terms of its reputation, in terms of how we can demonstrate the power of technology, and and if we can find it, of course, a, a business case." And so, in that context, we were. Um, I was actually in in South Africa. Uh, in those days, we were private sector was worrying about things called the Millennium Development Goals, which we now know as the Sustainable Development Goals. And, and it was in, in, a, in a conference where we were saying, well, look, what about financial inclusion was a big topic. And we, we thought, surely we can use mobile technology to improve the way we could, we could enable um, microcredit loans. And it, cutting a very long story short, we, we, we put our hands up in this room, got talking to a funding organization supported by DFID, um, uh, UK Department for International Development. Um, and they said, well, we've got a pot of money. We're, we can share the risk on some projects. Uh, why don't you apply for this pot of money? Uh, and we can, if we can help fund a new product that you wouldn't normally fund through the sort of corporate channels, um, let, let's let's put a proposal together. So we, we did. Um, but we actually got it wrong to start with. What we see in M-Pesa today isn't what we actually tested. And we, you know, PESA is Swahili for money. M is for mobile, of course. And when we started the M-Pesa, we were re- we initially looked at how we could move money around a very complicated microloan model. And we built this microfinance was key. And Eunice had won a Nobel Prize for his work on microfinance and so the world was excited about microfinance and we built a technology platform that was overcomplicated massively overcomplicated and then we, we were running it with about a five, you know, somewhere between 500 and 700 customers using this thing and they all started sending each other money so you know cutting a as i say cutting a long story short we said look actually the model here is let's find a way for someone to load cash into a wallet to a virtual wallet and send it to somebody else and they can cash it out. Um, and it started as a person-to-person money transfer scheme. We, You can still find the very cheesy television advert uh, on, on YouTube where we, we sort of send money home. And it was it was a really simple proposition, send money home. And we launched it um, with Michael Joseph and Les Bailey leading it in Safaricom. And it, and it sort of went big very, very quickly because we – we just hit a, a need right on the head. It's how do I move money around phone to phone across great distances, relatively cheaply, quickly, and safely. And, and that basic proposition sort of uh, allowed it this sort of rocket of a growth. And we were literally signing up you know, thousands of new customers a day on, on, under this send money home sort of billing. Of course, it evolved over time to something much more sort of compl- more sophisticated really more, more complex but. and in a country where i think it was then what 79 80 percent people unbanked absolutely the, yeah, the most people to save money yeah i mean was was a huge game changer for people yeah um, yeah absolutely and it, you know it just played right into that need and what we'd built during that pilot phase using 
the TIFID money, um, it, it, it just showed us where the real need was. It, it was very much a, a case of um, experimentation. So we, you know, it, it was a, a, sort of a, a period of we didn't really know the business model. We didn't. We had to position it with the regulators in a in, in, in a very careful way, and there were lots of unknowns. And you know, quite rightly, I think Vodafone would have said if someone had come to them with that business case and said, "Look, pump some money into this." Now there were too many unknowns, and it would never have got through that discovery phase unless we had that funding from from Diffid. And I think that two or three years experimenting was key. Um, to, to finding the product that really hit the customer need on, on the head and said, okay, it is actually, it's not as complicated as you've, you're trying to sort of work with in a microfinance context. It's really about a simple person-to-person money transfer service. And, and people with moving money around, you're quite right, 80% of the population didn't have bank accounts. If, if you wanted to move money around, it had to be cash. And you'd, literally people would put bundles of cash in taxi drivers or take them on the Matatu buses and, and it it was a moving cash between A and B was a was a real problem, and suddenly here was this solution that made it safe, quick, uh, you know, and and relatively cheap to 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 get that money across to your many to your loved ones, typically urban to rural money transfer. And yeah, that that was the beginning, and it really, I, I think it grew way quicker than any of us had anticipated, and that you know it's a, the, you know this is where the Safaricom management team really got right on top of it and figured out the key distribution aspects of the business chain and you know we you know we, we sort of grew it quickly into a in, in, into a model where we could you could build around that very first proposition and start to offer more and more things to consumers to do with their virtual wallet balance yeah. was that hard i mean the way the way it works is you've got a safaricom account and you've got your mpesa account alongside your Safaricom uh, connectivity account. I send you a thousand Kenyan shillings or whatever it is. It appears on your phone instantly. Uh, You then cash out. If you want to cash out, you can save what I've sent to you, obviously, in your account, or you can cash out by going to, I think, are they called Dukas? The the, the roadside sellers? Yeah, the little M-Pesa agents, yeah. Cash in, cash out places, yeah. That's right. And so you could go to the Duca. Uh, and because the price point of the transfer was so attractive and because the usability yeah. was so good, people were willing yeah. to invest in, 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 in that. And then you get the cash out the till. And then presumably yeah. at the end of the day, the dukas would uh, you know, uh, add up all the numbers, et cetera, and then be paid uh, from M-Pesa yeah. uh, themselves uh, the amount of money yeah, that that's they right. cashed out of the till. Yeah, that's right. It was, um, yeah, think of those uh, agents, and there are many hundreds of thousands of them now um, across Kenya, and in fact, of course, you know, across the world, the model has been replicated. But those are those are critical elements. Those are cash in, cash out points to move money from cash, folding money, into electronic money. And when you go into an agent, you're 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 effectively buying or selling e money. So I go in with my fold of, of you know a thousand shillings. I hand it to the agent and he sends me electronically sends me uh, a thousand shillings to my virtual wallet. So I've really just bought the money from that, from that um, agent. And so actually managing those agents was hard. And that's where Safaricom's um, uh, distribution network was an asset that we utilized. It was, it was already there because they were selling airtime through that distribution network. And we sort of bought a new product, electronic money, in, in, into the mix, and so we were using that 
that distribution network. And managing that is complicated. You've then got to manage two floats, an e-float and a cash float. And, and even today, this is still a, a big challenge. But network operators are very good at, at distribution. Um, and so we were really playing in, onto the strengths of, of Safaricom's existing business and, and growing out through those through those agents. Mm. Yeah. And, and going to scale like that, I mean, where, I mean, there are press reports, 40% of the GDP of Kenya goes through M-Pesa. Um, yeah. uh, it's significant amounts of money when you've got $24 yeah. billion a month going through the platform. Uh, going to scale must have had some scary moments. The mother yeah. must, you mean, you don't, you don't sort of have a <laughs> yeah. smooth trajectory. Yeah. Um, no, it, maybe, yeah, you're right. You know, give us some insight into perhaps some of the most challenging yeah. moments from, from the early days and the challenging moments to scale. What, what, what do you remember of that? Yeah, there were many actually. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to shorten down years of my life. And, you know, this aging process you see now is a, is a result of just how hard it is. Cause it is hard, you know, it's not yeah. this, I, I know I, it's, it's nice to think, oh, you know, an epiphany moment and it was solved. I mean, but it wasn't, it wasn't like that at all. We had this experimentation phase, which I, th- I think is key. And, you know, that, there's lots of interesting parts to that experimentation phase about what, you know, how, how do corporates allow that type of innovation to happen? And, you know, there's a, there's a story there. But then once we figured out what the real customer need was, move, send money home, move money between A and B, we then we then really focused on that, and that's where you know the operational delivery capacity of Safaricom really really kicked in. Um, but even that, there were challenges. You know, how do you build hierarchies of agents? How do you how do you move cash around as well as e money around? And you know, how do you how do you facilitate that liquidity in those agents all the time? Because if if I send you money and you turn up in an agent and he hasn't got any e money to, to in his float to allow a transaction to happen. I'm going to be really annoyed and I'm never, I'm probably, you know, I'm going to you know, send a rude message into Safari and say, I don't want to, you know, but it had to work every time because it's people's money. And it's, you know, they, they put a lot of trust in Safaricom and the brand. And so you, it had to be right all the time. So yeah, a lot of operational challenges. I mean, you, we could touch on many, but the, how, how to position it with the regulators was, was key because suddenly we've got a telco regulators, of course, that, you know, you, you and I have worked with over the years, but this suddenly we were stepping out of the telco space and into the financial services arena. And then we had to deal with a central bank uh, as a, as a new regulator, how you manage a new regulator with a new product, uh, you know, um, that's has challenges, but it was very much a case of, you know, being open and sharing what we're doing, but you know, trying hard to um, bring them on the journey with you. Technology wise, a bunch of things in there. We, you know, you never build a platform for 30, 40 million customers. You, you know, you'd, you'd get laughed out of the CTO's room if you said, look, I'm, I want to spend money on this capacity platform. You have to sort of get, take it a step at a time and where your growth is much is quicker than you built for. We, you know, we had a few dark days when the platform fell over and we were, you know, working 24 hours with the technology teams to try and solve the problem of, dealing with rapid growth. So yeah, lots of challenges, but, but you know, it, it's exciting because your, your adrenaline is comes in because you know, you're solving real challenges for people. You're making their lives much easier when customers are signing up so quickly, you know, they, the sort of 
the, the, the response in, in many teams is just think, hey, we've got a brilliant product here. And this is this is genuinely making a, a difference to people's lives. And and so you and so you, you know, you go over and under and around all the obstacles. And it's, you know, I, I you know, it's it's having a, you know, as I said earlier, it's a great team and a, a team of problem solvers and then a, a team of delivery people and growing that team over time was was also key it's um you know and today it's a it's a big big part of the business yeah i mean it's amazing what you mentioned because there was a report in 2017 that said two percent of kenyan households were lifted out of extreme poverty by m-pesa yeah so you know what we're not talking about here i mean on one hand yeah you are talking about an adjacent product that through innovation through the process yeah. that you've taken it through you have developed a product that is now you know, the majority uh, profit driver of what, what is a communications company. But when you look at the yeah. 2% of people out of extreme poverty, the report also said 180,000, yeah. 5,000 women uh, had been able yes. to move from a subsistence lifestyle to yes. into more of a uh, entrepreneurial business selling lifestyle as a result of yeah. M-Pesa. D- doesn't it make you feel yeah. good? I mean, I know, I know you're not going to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell me it's a team uh, job yeah. and all of that, but surely that must make you feel, you know, a sense of purpose, yeah. a sense of achievement. I mean, it is tremendous, Nick. It is a, a team and, you know, I, I, we had some immensely talented people work, working on this and, and so I, you know, and I'm I'm proud of that team. I'm I'm proud of what what's happened, and you know, and it and it has set a model. And we were, you know, we were moving money phone to phone way before we'd heard of Apple Pay or you know Google Pay. We were doing this off uh, good old fashioned brick phones using encrypted SMS. You know, so we were literally sending SMS messages to trigger the the, the value exchange, and and so building in an old tech was way in that in that sort of very rudimentary um way was making it secure and safe and reliable was was essential and but today we you know we we now use smartphones and it almost becomes it's it's part of life isn't it the way we use our phones to to do transactions all the time but you can you know go back 15 years we, we were doing something similar for low-income households typically in in at scale and um yeah, it's fun sometimes to think forward another 15 years, isn't it? And to think, okay, so that's the journey we've seen with digital money. What what comes next? And, you know, and I, and I know you've been working on, on projects where you, how can I use the ability to move little bits of money around at very low cost? How can I use that to solve other problems, whether it's in paying for education, paying for health services, you know, paying for energy as we, we've been doing in, in COPA? Pay, payments becomes a le- almost like a, Ultimately, it will be commoditized, but it's an enabling layer. And the, and the next area of challenge and, and interest is, okay, what can I do now with with mobile money? Uh, and, and think about that next layer of services. And I, you know, and I know um, if, we, if we cast our minds forward, there's so many things we could be. You know, if, if moving money around is part of your business model challenge, you know, we've got lots of ways now to sort of get over that particular barrier and think of in reinventing some business models. Yeah. And, and maybe that's a, a good point to sort of, uh, you know, about 2010, 2011, you left Vodafone um, yeah. to set up another uh, innovative company. I mean, I, I often think when I, you know, that, that, that um, 
you know, one is enough in a lifetime. You know, you've got this in, <laughs> incredible innovation going. And and suddenly, sort of in the middle of it, you leave Vodafone and you set, set up MCOPA. I mean, tell us two, two questions, really. One, yeah. why did you leave in the middle? What sort of prompted, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and then secondly, yeah. what, tell us a bit about MCOPA and, and the vision yeah. for that sure. and, and where that's at now. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, why why did I leave? And I'm often asked this, and you know, and it and it, it wasn't a decision that was made uh, overnight. By the way, it was um, yeah, I, I maybe I've got this sort of genetic fault that keeps making me think about the next sort of phase of the of the model. And um, and in you remember 2008, 2009, it was the financial crisis, and sort of lids were being battened down all over the world, and Arun Sarin had left. Um, Vodafone Arun Sarin was the CEO that took us into emerging economies largely, and, uh, and Vittorio Cloud come in, and the the name of the of, of the game in those days was cost saving. You know, everyone was protecting the core business, and I was putting my hand up in the corner, going, Look, "Mobile money, we've got to be let's start investing more and more in mobile money because it's actually going to open up lots of new business models beyond the 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 sort of voice and data of Vodafone." And I was arguing quite strongly that we should be riding this particular wave and, and you know, Vodafone quite rightly at the time. And this is, you know, this is why corporates, ex- you know, protect themselves. They, they sort of lock in on, on core things. And I was too eager to move into the next phase. And so uh, after much debate, um, I said, okay, well, look, I'm going to, I'm going to help find my successor and, um, but I'm going to move to one side and start uh, around an, another big challenge area, which for me was access to energy, which is, is where MCOPA is. And then, and what? We, and so, you know, uh, again, I'm sort of summarizing months of angst, <laughs> you know, and, and stress as you try and figure out your own career path through, through a corporate or or into a startup, really. And so, eventually, made the move and started to then COPA. Uh, so the COPA means um, in Swahili again is means to borrow. So what what we do at MCOPA is we use that wonderful lever of digital payments to allow people to get access to clean energy. Originally was the proposition, and um, just changing tax slightly in sub-Saharan Africa. And again, you'll know this, Andrew. M- many people will. S- nearly six hundred million people do not have access to grid power, and so they spend money on things like kerosene or paraffin. They burn charcoal. They don't use. They just don't have access to power. But they spend a lot of money in that household on very poor quality energy. So we said, look, that's look. There's some some of these technology advances now, which let us create a new business model. One is payments, of course, M-Pesa. The other one is the cost of solar panels, photovoltaic panels, were coming down rapidly. The batteries for storing energy. The technology was improving really quickly through lithium ion battery chemistry uh, technology and so we said look let, let's why don't we allow someone to take a, a fully distributed solar energy product so a panel a battery lights a tv ultimately we went as far as fridges and you know bigger bits of equipment but we connect it so we can remotely control it and then we allow the customer to make a payment using mpesa and then when they, we receive a payment i allow the equipment to work because i've connected it remotely um so it's like a coin in the meter model the coin is m and pesa the meter is a, a a similar modem inside the equipment and that allows me to turn it on and off even though even though we're nowhere near the power grid of course this is a standalone 
power, clean energy product. And yeah, we're now at a million customers, you know, and it, and it grew really quickly with, you know, it's a, it's financing using uh, digital payments to finance a clean energy asset. And it's, of course, the business model has moved on over the last few years. And we're now um, taking that into all sorts of hardware, including smartphones, which have, you know, we can finance a, an asset, a physical asset using micro payments. Um, so yeah, that's that's the uh, you know, and, and, and Copas now does a lot of work in with Safaricom, of course, and and is expanding across Africa in the same way. And when did that idea come? I mean, you know, when when did it sort of did it did it evolve? Was it again a conference? Was it a meeting? Was it a couple of guys? You yeah. were you were because I know two yeah. two you set it up two other colleagues or ex or people yeah. you've worked with before they weren't Safaricom I don't yes. think but were, were yeah. you sort of you know how, how did it evolve yeah. um, as an idea yeah because well, it's, it's I, not easy to do it I mean you know it's, it's not yeah. you know it's, it's, <laughs> a lot yeah. of people have amazing ideas and they never go beyond um, the dream space yeah um, you know where did the idea come from and and uh, you know how did you then take it from you know just an idea to say okay this is something serious yeah. we need to really invest time and money in yeah. this yeah and and again you know um not just me you know i i you know and, and in fact some of my old team in pesa came with me you know Pauline Vaughan, i think you know well she joined mm. us in in Encopa as well but you know and some of the technology team there you know went through the Mpesa journey with me and and helped with Encopa. So again, a team is, is really key here. Um, but where did the idea come from? Well, I, we were watching the growth of Mpesa. So it went from send money home into a fully fledged, you know, smartphone based mobile commerce platform where you can use Mpesa for anything. You can pay your school fees, pay bills. I can send money internationally. You know, I can, I can make investments, I can save. All sorts of things now are in the Mpesa basket. Um, and I was thinking, well, as I saw that evolving and, you know, we, we led the team as we grew that model up, um, my mind was running to, OK, I can actually now step into energy services and think about the MCOPA type model. We could we we did a project in India very early on about um, how do I how, how can I give uh, pay as you go access to healthcare professionals we set up a company called Mera Doctor based in Mumbai. Same thing, small payments, but you're getting a, a service back which you wouldn't be able to afford otherwise. And again, slightly ahead of its time in, in, in India. And if you look at the way you know, we're accessing health services today because of COVID, we were trying to work out some of those remote access models you know, 10 years ago. But, but payments becomes a big enabler. And so, so I, it, we were looking, I was looking for opportunities where small payments regular payments at low cost could make a difference and and you get quickly drawn into these big verticals you know health education agriculture is another one that's ripe for change and you can you know it was it was really the energy one that leapt out and said look if we can if we can find a way to allow someone to in a daily payments get clean energy we're solving a big problem for them we're solving the sort of ridiculous price they pay for very poor quality energy today Kerosene is a horrible fuel. It's burnt in households, and it's you know it's a carbon. Of course, it's, it actually gives off quite noxious fumes. And so there are lots of problems with if I, if I can only afford fifty cents a day on a liter of kerosene, uh, there's 
that's market failure and it's that market failure that really sort of drives my um you know willingness to step into some of these models because there's a better way to do it we know, we know the technology can can do things in a better way and so yeah and, and again there was some experimentation and the business model evolved as we you just get going you know we got going on the back of some very you know good support from some uh, an impact investor and some grants from organizations like the, um, the shell foundation was very uh supportive and they funded that experimentation stage again this time as a startup not within the corporate sort of entity of, of vodafone um yeah and, and we grew slowly and it's you know it's got it's got other challenges of course you know you you basically eat what you can kill in terms of your funding and we had a grant inside uh vodafone to get mpesa going but we had to sort of work harder and bootstrap it a little bit more to get mcopa going um but yeah, just I think I'm sort of drawn moth-like to this the idea of you know challenges. You know, if you if you can see a need and we focus on that need and think about how we can deploy the technology properly, I think well, we've talked about this before. I know, but sometimes you can't get too excited. You can't be techno-led or techno-deterministic. You've got to stay focused on the need and then use the technology to solve the problem. And, yeah, that's fascinating because I, when I look at the two, the two extraordinary innovations that you've been, you know, you brought to market, um, you, you know, two two platforms. Um, the the fascinating thing is that is this is the long term social impact or the long term impact mm. on people's lives, uh, making their lives better. And and when I look at MCOPA, which I think probably could be described as Africa's largest off grid power. Company yeah, definitely. In terms yeah, of yeah. photovoltaic cells that you're you're, you're selling yeah. to people, um, you know, you, you've got uh, you started with selling, uh, you know, uh, solar panels to enable people to access clean power and safe power because, of course, kerosene is is terrible in terms of burns and the impact yes. it, it, it often has. Um, and then because I think I think you were getting a ninety six percent repayment rate. Um, this yeah. is from people who can't afford major payments, therefore they're falling micropayments. But you're getting such a phenomenal yeah. response rate in terms of payments and repayments that now you're selling yeah. energy efficient TVs and fridges, which are critical pieces of infrastructure yeah. people need. You're selling smartphones, you're providing cash yeah. loans. And it's extraordinary yeah. how a platform that yeah. originally was focused on one product has just broadened out into yeah. all the household stuff yeah. that people need um but don't have the the cash up exactly. front yeah. don't want to be uh you know don't want to be the subject exactly. of of large uh, you know large loan rates etc cetera, etc cetera, have now got access to it through encopa yeah it's extraordinary um yeah a, an extraordinary journey you know that you, you've taken the company on yeah thanks i i think it's um you're right and that's if you think of the evolution there it's the it's first the first layer is connectivity you know the, the fact that gsm networks exist around the world today and reach almost everybody then you've got a payments layer which increasingly anywhere you go around the world you can do a small transaction off your phone uh, you know and peso was the first one but it's it's now common you know there's i think the gsma the network operators association estimating even more than 1.2 billion mobile wallets exist around the world now and they, they didn't exist 10 years ago so in in the space of 10 or 15 years, you've got these two massive levers, connectivity and payments. 
you know, and, and they enable the next layer of, of innovation. And so, you know, then, you know, clean energy is, was a, obviously a market need, a huge need that we could solve using those two big layers. And, and so, it, you know, it plays into that. And I, I like um, Christensen wrote, wrote a very good book around, you know, market creating innovation. So it's, it's innovation, but you're actually stimulating, you're going into the space of non-consumption and saying, how do I turn you into a, from a non-consumer or consumer of very poor products and services into, into a consumer of, of good, clean products and, and affordable products and services. And so I, I, I you know, I think, it, again, it's, again, it's not easy. It's not, it's not, this doesn't happen overnight. You know, I'm, you know, we're, we're now, you know, the start of the MPESA journey was 2003 when we put the pitch in and now what are we now? And nearly 20 years later, well, a couple of years will be 20 years in. And it, so it, it doesn't happen easily you have to tease out the, the the challenges along the way but it but i mean that's that's what you know i'm a big optimist i think we, we we've got this amazing technology i mean there's maybe we should talk about some of the you know the downsides of mobile technology and but there's many many more upsides and it and it's and it's the it's a powerful tool and if we use it properly i i'm convinced there are many more challenges we can you know we can tackle We've got a few minutes left. Uh, you've been really generous with your time. We've got a few minutes left. Uh, I'd like to get really personal if we could. Uh, you know, I, you're a Cornishman, I think. Uh, yeah, that's true. You, yeah. Well, I'm a Cornish, I'm a fake Welshman. My, my man is, and he, you know, he, as okay. he grew up, he brainwashed me into a Welshman, but I grew up in Cornwall. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be out of place yeah. in the in the Exeter front row uh, with Luke no. Cowan Dickey and all that. <laughs> I think they could hold no, their no, own. Yeah, in, yeah, uh, in fact. In, yeah, that's true. In, uh, yeah, you know, so I, I know you're you're you you know you you you're, you're very good at this stuff, but and, and don't really like um, talking personal. But I mean, you you got a PhD in applied science, uh, you got an MBA from London Business School. Uh, the Queen has recognised you with an OBE uh, for all the work you've done in innovation in Africa. Um, you got so many awards; it would take us about another twenty minutes to to to, to run through all these sort of awards that you and and the things that you have set up have <laughs> gone through. Yeah. And so I, I'm not going to sort of focus on all of that, but I, I think um, uh, y- you know, I suppose the question I think a lot of people, a lot of colleagues in Vodafone would would, would want to ask you is, um, you know, w- what makes you tick as a person? What what drives this? Uh, what drives you? Um, what, what, there's a couple of questions, but that, that'd be the first one I think they'd want to ask you. What, what, what really drives you? Because what, what, yeah. I, th- I think we all want to learn from your journey. You know, that, that, that's, that's, that's the, the key thing. Yeah. So if you want to learn yeah. from someone, you want to learn what really drives them and make them tick. So I know you're not going to answer the question, but I've yeah. got to ask the question. You know, what, what, what sort of makes Nick Hughes yeah. tick and drive him? Yeah, I'm trying to, th- I, yeah, I, you know, I, I really wish I, I really wish I had a great answer. I, I don't know, really. I've been, I, I just, I do, um, well, there's a couple of things that I think contribute. One is I've never really been much of a rule follower. Um, I know we, we joked about this sometimes in corporates. Corporates survive because very sensible people put rules in place that protect the business, and they're there to do a job. And I, I've it's always puzzled me a little bit about you. If you set those rules too tight, things will never change. So, and, and you know, a creative innovation is often disruptive, and I, and I and that sort of appeals. And so I've been drawn through my. Yeah, actually, from as long as, as I can remember, I, 
you know, I was never one for, for following following rules. And uh, so, so I think there's that element. I, I I don't have to go even deeper. You know, you you and I are both married to psychotherapists. Maybe maybe they have an answer for me at some point. I should explore what why do you break rules all the time? I, I don't know why I do, but I, but I only break them where I think oh, that's not that's not working. I, I am intrigued by things things that don't work and patently don't work. I, I I can't help trying to fix a little bit. And I, I think I've had an, again, I've been blessed with pe- people who share that with me and, and also very good at problem solving. I, you know, I quite like problem solving. And um, yeah, so I, I, so I think that, that drives me and I, and I, and I still, you know, I, I know there's without getting too cheesy, it, I, it's about problem solving and things that solve real problems for me. Not, you know, you get out of bed and if you think, oh, my day ahead is is problem solving. You know, I don't know in in you know accountants problem solve. Of course they do. Uh, you know, I, you know, in, in investors problem solve, don't they? They look at you know, they look at what's in front of them and figure stuff out. But for me, I have to. I has to be something quite tangible in front of me to to. Um, a, you know, a problem that I think is a is a real world challenge, and that, that you know, I, I, you get drawn to this. You know, and I, and I, but as I say, I think there's we we we're fortunate. We're in this. Um, if you look at what m- mobile technology can bring to the world now, it's immense. You know, we can see so many applications of mobile technology that go way beyond where we all thought it it was going to to be. Um, and, you know, when the industry was very young when I joined it, and it, you know, it's it's evolved into into something we can harness. Uh, you know, I think, and I, I think there's many more things we we could be looking at. And I, you know, I'm intrigued by you know, we can well, lo, lo, you know, it's a long, long sort of uh, horizon out there. But you know, around digital identity and how we can build into products and services in these other verticals health i think i know you Redfern foundation does amazing work in that space you know and um education there's got to be ways we could radically overhaul how we deliver education to people using using this technology and so there, there are many things there and it's you know i i, 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 I so, can't see yeah go, yeah go ahead yeah so you're I'm trying curious. to avoid the personal stuff. No, no, you're, you're trying to avoid another question. I know exactly what you're up to. Um, you're, you're, curious, yeah. you're a curious creative disruptor is what I'm taking away from that. And while you recognize that, that rules are necessary, um, you, you, you personally, uh, the, 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 there's got to be a justification for them. And you're always, as a person, pushing at the boundaries and, and asking questions. I suppose the second thing, yeah. you know, hearing your story, um, that I think uh, colleagues would want to ask you is um, when do you know your idea's right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you must have yeah. had a lot more than two ideas in your life, namely MCO oh, yeah. and MPACE, to the answer of the first <laughs> yeah. question. You must yeah. have had hundreds, if not thousands, okay? So when do you know, when yeah. you left MPACE to do MCOPA, yeah. when do you get yeah. a sense, is it the data, is it your guts, is it, yeah. is it the economist? What's prompting yeah. you to, yeah. you know, yeah, this this is the next step. This this is worth yeah. going to, to the stake about. This is worth putting my yeah. everything on the line. Because there must be in Vodafone today, this morning, three or 4,000 people who are in that dilemma. You know, how much do I push this? Do I really yeah. believe that this is absolutely right? 
try the foundational yeah. company. Yeah. No, and it's a really good point because you you've got to have a conviction in something, haven't you? And at what point does that conviction become the dominant force that this this is this can solve a problem and and is a viable way forward? So, yeah, at what point? Um, uh, yeah, it's a really it's a it's a it's um it's telling that I've moved. After you know, I have this sort of uh, what it's almost like a seven or eight year itch cycle. So seven or eight years running in Pesa, and then and then it became a job that other people could do much better than I could. It's much more operational. We knew the business model. The regulator was on side, and I was off, often thinking about the um, Copa model. And and actually, as, as you might be aware of, I stepped back from the front line of then Copa, and I'm doing. I can see another opportunity around. We, we've talked about this a couple of times around. How do I use connectivity and payments to allow access to climate finance? And we've got a massive problem in front of us with with um, how do we encourage and incentivize uh, projects that are cleaner and, and better for the for the for the environment around. And there's a way to use technology to to do that. And I'm already hence we set up a new company. I'm thinking about those challenges and. You know, and and it's that early stage work I I find you know intellectually quite stimulating and problem solving again is there. But it, it, you know, I think many people you're right have ideas and try them and it doesn't work. And, I, and believe me, there's there's many that uh, will have sort of fallen as on on the wayside over over the last twenty years. That you know, I've already mentioned one this Meridog idea, and it sometimes it's about timing. It's about looking around you at the context, realizing that there is this trajectory happening uh, and, and being willing to sort of step in and step forward with some ideas in that space, but but be prepared to fail, you know, be prepared to pivot and change, which is exactly what we did with M M-Pesa from the early days. We got it, we, we built something out of which came the, the scalable model, but most of that we turned it off and jumped it because it was, you got it wrong, but be, being prepared to step in and test is key. Um, same with MCOPA and the, almost certainly the same with the new organization for our digital we've we've set up. I, I think we will we will discover some new ideas and out of five we try, if we can get one of them to scale, you know, I, that for me is is a good ratio. And yeah, it's it, you know, it's um look and it and it's through, you know. We haven't really touched on it today, but I think partnerships are key. Willingness to bring people with you and uh, you know not not be be, be quite um, what's the word? You've got to be quite resolute. You know, you've got to grow some quite uh, thick skins. You've got to be resilient. You, you know, there are the the you know building teams that uh, around you that can do th the things that I'm not I'm less good at. I'll find someone to work with me who's who's good at it. <laughs> so. I'll, I'll openly take, you know, and that's that's been part of the story as well. Just you know, finding finding great teams and great colleagues to work with. But yeah, I think I managed to avoid any personal references. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I've, I've completely failed, and and um, but it's been amazing talking to you. I mean, I mean, I think when when people just uh, go a little bit deeper, so they can Google M-Pacer and M-Copa and and find everything about. Uh, uh, about what you and your teams have done. I think when they hear uh, what you've just said about, um, uh, you know, my takeaway from that is 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 knowing what your own core skills are. You, you, you know, we yeah. haven't got skill that go through the whole process, knowing when it's time to hand it on, when it's time to let others yeah. uh, do the work. But but I think 
all that aside, I mean, I, I think it's it's amazing to to listen to how you know you've you've taken a number of 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 uh, platforms. You know, you've innovated at scale. It's sustainable. It's transforming lives. Uh, it's making the world a better place. Uh, and and we're all excited to hear about uh, what you're going to do about climate change because my goodness, we, we need it at the moment. So, yes, yeah, it's a, it's a uh, that, that's really exciting to hear that there's something yeah. cooking uh, in your study there uh, that you're going to be working on. So it's it's a great relief yeah. to to hear that. I, I think if people want to reach out to you, I think probably is it is it four R uh, is is the yeah, best four, way of, of four, yeah that's it four R digital four, I'm big believers in the fourth revolution. And so that yeah. yeah, it's it's you know it's here. The back back again to these this amazing technology we you know we live we live with. It's it's gonna it can change the way we tackle things. So yeah, we set up a company to do early stage incubation for our digital.com and yeah, by all means you can okay. reach me yeah. through the email contacts that are on that. And uh, yeah. Nick, it's it's wonderful. Thanks so much for your time. We're gonna have to have you back on it's in pleasure. a couple of years to hear about uh, all that you've been doing on climate change. <laughs> And to have another yeah. another go with some personal questions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thanks for sharing so honestly, uh, honestly with us. And and as always, Nick, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. No, look, thank you, Andrew. And you know, and you know, you guys are doing some amazing stuff too. And I, I I'm full of admiration. The other way, some of the projects you guys are, are, are tackling head on is, you know, that's what you know. It's great. I mean, we, you know, back to being an optimist or a pessimist. I'm an optimist, but we got some real challenges ahead but we can i'm sure we can overcome them thanks for listening to roaming a podcast from vodafone foundation and thanks so much to our guest today nick hughes visit vodafone.com to find out more about both mpesa and how vodafone foundation are using technology to connect humanity for the greater good see you next time Music